Welcome to the Laws of Wellness, brought to you by Zaparis Lawyers. Here are your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to the Laws of Wellness, brought to you by Zaparis Lawyers. Marcus Pierce here with you, and as always, I'm joined by the great man, Dr. Damien Christoph. How are you, Damo? I'm great. Thank you, PC. What a great opportunity to discuss some of the greatest topics in health and well-being. And today we're talking about food and uh, and supplements and superfoods. I'm really excited about it. It's right in my wheelhouse. This is what I love to talk about. It's um, what I've spent a lot of time on in my life. And so um, people at Zaparis will know me from speaking about these sorts of things, um, particularly with the power of food and, of course, the PAR method. So uh, I hope everybody enjoys this episode. I've got a feeling uh, that this episode may be the most loved, the most downloaded, the most consumed. Now, no disrespect to the great man John Topoldis at Zaparis. Episode one. Or episode two, The Three Laws of Career Fulfillment. Good, good. Episode three, Four (laughs) Ways to Become a Better Friend and Colleague. But episode four, The Laws of Diet, Supplement and Superfoods, I think we'll have the Zaparis team chattering around the water cooler. Enjoy this very juicy episode on diet, supplements and superfoods. Damo, great man today. It's all about diet, supplements and superfoods. This is not my wheelhouse. This is yours. So I'm putting on my journalist hat and asking on behalf of everyone the big hard-hitting questions around these three big topics. Are you ready to go, great man? Oh, PC, I am. I'm excited to do this. This this is my wheelhouse, as you said. Um, I've lived and breathed this for 25 years now. And uh, I don't think there's many things about this topic that I can't answer. And I'm sure that if anybody listening to this has questions, if they fire them through, get them through, we can uh, can get more answers to you. But uh, I should be able to answer every question you've got. Well, let me me go with the big one, right? The the whole conversation of diet, like what is the – it sounds really simple, but like almost like what is the idea of a diet and how did just the concept of a diet even come about, do you think? Yeah, it's so amazing, isn't it? Because at the end, of the end of the day, like we've all been eating food, like every single civilization's lived on some kind of food um, and some kind of um, pattern of food, which, you know, essentially is now from the word deity has become diet. You know, this is where we're we're from, you know. So this is what we do in order to live like this. And so people who were wealthy had a particular way of eating and people who were poor had a particular way of eating. Um, And then as health and well-being kind of came to the fore, you know, longevity or heart disease or whatever else, obesity, these sorts of things started to be, you know, associated with our diet or our lifestyle, a, a greater conversation started to be had about what causes these problems. You know, it, is it just what goes in our mouth, what goes in the gob? Um, or could it be what else is going on with regards to, you know, what we think about, what are we, uh, you know, how how are we learning and listening? What are we seeing? What are we watching? You know, all those sorts of things. Could it just be that? So, in a reductionistic world where we look to find the silver magic bullet of cure, it was determined that food types and foodstuffs contributed to health and contributed to disease. And then further exploration around that to understand protein, fats, and carbohydrates um, kind of formed the basis for the way in which we should consume our meals and consume our foods. So diet has really come about in the in the con in the context that we would think of it today, really as a result of how much we've be, 
we we've learnt like it's the it's a it's a um it's because of information and knowledge yeah. and specialization yeah absolutely specialization i think is the key there pc and 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 i suppose what happens is that we've all been guilty and you know you and i are guilty of this you know looking at the smiths and the joneses and comparing ourselves to it so when you know the joneses look across at the smiths and they go oh my gosh the smiths are looking great what are they doing then the I can't remember if I said the Smiths or the Joneses. But anyway, the other one is going to say, <laughs> the other one is going to say, I want to look like them too. And what mm. are they doing? So I'm going to go investigate it. So, you know, you go back to the 80s um, and you look at the French paradox, which is one of the first papers that I ever recall kind of reading about diet. Obviously, we saw um, Norm on television with, you know, life being it. Um, saying you are what you eat, you know, and you see big Norm in the chair and his wife saying, Norm. And, but then you look at the French paradox where they ate heaps of fat but didn't get cardiovascular disease. And then that was born off the um, presumption or the assumption that all fat was bad and that fat caused cardiovascular disease or caused cholesterol issues, hence the birth of the statin drug. And so the birth of the statin drug was really a result of um, observation that people who had a high-fat diet had elevated cholesterol um, in the particular study group. And look, we could go through all the ifs, buts, and maybes about that particular study and how flawed it was. But essentially, with that study paved the way for the utilization of statins to lower cholesterol and that became the primary way of management of cardiovascular disease and metabolic disease um, in the world really like particularly the western world when it could have just been achieved with a change in diet or better understanding of diet but that assumption that all fat was bad kind of then led to articles and exploration around are fats good or bad? Should we be vegan? Should we be vegetarian? Could we be totally carnivorous? What's an omnivore's diet? Um, what's their dilemma? You know, what's the Okinawan way? All these sorts of things, you know. So th this is where all this kind of got born from. But the French paradox was that they ate heaps of fat and they didn't get um, – they didn't have heart disease, had really low rates of heart disease, and they then said, well, it must be the red wine. And so then all of a sudden there was this exploration of chemicals in food. What could the chemical in red wine be that stops people who eat fat from getting heart disease? That's kind of where it all went. So really it is, when I listen to this, it's knowledge, knowledge, and knowledge. And as more specialists came to the field, they were like, I think it's this, I think it's that. My research says this, my research says that. I love your conversation around the Smiths and the Joneses because we do it. I mean, even you and I do it. We go to Ikaria, let's call them the Smiths, and then mm -hmm. you've got the Okinawans, let's call them the Joneses, and you look at the differences in their diets, and then we might compare that to what they're having in Italy or in America or in England or, or whatever, whatever it is. And it is a fact fascinating conversation and and this does actually join the dots of like where it actually um stemmed from so then again i know this might sound oversimplistic to someone like yourself but then why do you think in the modern world today people use diets and i know it's really easy to say or oh, to lose weight but like mm -hmm. why do you think people use diets i think the average woman in her 40s has been on over 40 diets or some you know ridiculous number like that but like why do people use diets today it's that is a great question, Marcus, and I think that everybody listening to this podcast will be going, "I know, I know," and they'll be putting their hands up because everyone's got their own reason. But essentially, it's to feel better about themselves. 
So whether it's feel better in their clothes, feel better in their digestion, feel better looking in the mirror, feel better in bed, feel better wherever it's going to be, people want to feel better, feel better at the workspace, you know, have I got more energy, am I tired at 3.30, 4 o'clock, you know, those sorts of things. So people are looking for ways in which they can, um, I, I don't like this word, but I'm going to use it, Manipulate. I couldn't even say manipulate. I hate it. It's the chiropractor's worst word ever, right? Chiropractors hate the word manipulate. So they're just because we don't manipulate. Just their lifestyle. That's what we say. How do we adjust our food intake so that we have a positive outcome? And um, and how do I feel better? So that's kind of where it comes from. And. Then people look to people that they identify with. Who do they associate with that's doing what it is that they feel comfortable in considering? So they might look at Instagram these days or they might look at TikTok or they might, you know, in the olden days, they might have looked at Facebook. Um, <laughs> you know, Wasn't there MySpace? And, uh... MySpace, yeah, MySpace. Or lo and behold, they might have bought a magazine um, and possibly even got a free magazine in a newspaper um, and read about a new fandangled diet. And so the diet might be um, something that resonates with them. But really I, what happens with a diet is there's an identity. There's somebody who's sprouting it, who's saying, hey, follow me. This is what I've done. This is how it worked for me. You should do it or could do it too uh, because then you will have the same benefits as what I've had. Uh, and so that's that's kind of where it goes to. And then, of course, you've got practitioners who prescribe different types of eating programs. And, you know, I, I've prescribed all kinds of eating programs through my career um, you know, everything from keto to paleo to omnivore to vegan to vegetarian to uh, blood type to palm method to, you know, all kinds, you know, insulin zone, like all of these <laughs> different types of eating programs I've considered for my patients through the years um, based on what it is that they feel like they could actually do and stick to, which I think is really important. And I feel like this is um, a conversation that we could actually have for bordering on six hours and maybe 12 hours without taking your breath because it is such a juicy topic, pardon the pun, for the juices out there. Um, but I know this is an overwhelming question to even ask, but I do think it's important because we could talk about the benefits of a keto or a paleo or a vegan or a plant-based or a gluten-free or whatever it is. But if I said to you, Damo, on behalf of everyone listening, what is a healthy diet? How would you answer that question? Well, it certainly wouldn't be considered of the food pyramid. I've got to tell you that. And I know that's a little bit controversial and um, hopefully no one from the Dietitians Association or Nutrition Australia is listening to this, but it's a little bit misleading. Hello to our good friends there who are though. Yeah. Hello, hello, hello. Um, it's just a little bit – it's not misleading anymore because they've sharpened it right up, but it's just – it's a little light on the details in that um, so that some of the recommendations are a little bit loose. So I would encourage people to make sure they're eating as many plants as they possibly can. Like we're talking fresh plants. So I know that bread's made from wheat, and so essentially bread could be from a plant. Um, that's true. Um, but you know, and barley and all these sorts of things like grains can be turned into something else. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the actual real plant like i'm talking about the freshness of the plant so ideally you'd have salads and fruits and vegetables as the main component of your plate you've got to have some kind of protein that's really important and if we can if we can just look at the blue zones for example and look at all of the cultures that have been researched who live a long time they consume protein in adequate amounts 
Now, you notice I didn't say they consume chickens, geese, ducks, kangaroos, pigs, horses. Um, goats. Goats. I didn't say that. What I said is they consume protein. So if we look at the Okinawans, they might use tofu or tempeh. Um, if we look at, um, I don't know. Well, like in Sardinia, they'd have sheep, and then in uh, Icaria, they'd have goat, and then in yeah, well, in Sardinia, they might also have fish. You know, sardines. Yeah. So, but they, <laughs> I'm just being facetious. <laughs> but you know, there's different types of proteins that we could all be consuming, and you want to be consuming protein. Now, the amount of protein that we consume um, is is individual, and I go through that in the Palm Method video that we talk about, you know, quite often PC. And so there's a presentation called the Palm Method. We can uh, link which, that for everyone listening, can't yeah, we? We'll link that. That'll be in the show notes. And um, and you can link through to that. And this is just a little 16-minute video on how you can determine your own specific portion size, um, how much protein and how much carbohydrate you actually require. When I talk carbohydrates, I'm really talking fruits and vegetables. But there are grain-based and starchy carbohydrates that we can consume too. So I would say that if you're seeking a healthy lifestyle, that could easily include grain-based and starchy carbohydrates provided you've got good glycemic control. In other words, you've got control over your weight and you've got good control over your cholesterol and your blood sugar levels. So if you do, then grain-based and starchy carbohydrates won't be an issue. The other most important thing is to consume good quality fats. And you want to make sure that you're having raw oils in your diet. So don't only have the cooked oils in your diet, the stuff that you fry with, but add to your salads and pour over your vegetables, good quality oils, you know, olive oil being the best one, um, and avocado oil being absolutely outstanding. You know, macadamia nut oil is a great oil as well. Um, be careful with, you know, consumption of saturated fat if you're not being specific around your carbohydrate intake um, because saturated fat and carbohydrates, when combined, can be problematic for some people. So uh, what you're always going to be safe with is a raw, uncooked, virgin or extra virgin fruit oil, you know. And so we're talking here about your nut oils like macadamia and olive oil and avocado. I love that you're taking the mystique out of food because it's not random, hopefully, foods that people haven't heard about than, you know, some long lost, you know, ancient berry that we need to have in order to maintain health. What about yeah. things like um, what What are your views when it comes to diet that from a seasonal perspective, a local perspective, uh, um, you know, organics? Um, where do you stand on those parts of, of diet? Yeah, well, I, I think seasonal is ideal. You know, we can. There's definitely different ways in which you can do this. You could drink water out of the tap, or you could have filtered water. You know, um, you could have sparkling water made with your soda stream, or you could have sparkling water from San Pellegrino. You know, so there's different things you can do. And if you're scaling up, then the best way to go is you know to be slow about it. So seasonal, local, organic, and whole um, is the W bit of that. So. I love it. You know, if we can get seasonal food all the time and we're um, mindful, and particularly those people listening to this podcast, you're probably thinking, okay, how can I do better? How do I level up? And the way in which you might level up is to look for what is seasonal, what's been grown in summer, winter, spring, autumn. What are the vegetables and fruits that are available to me right now that are naturally growing as a result of the temperature and the climate right now? That's really important. Local is also important. You know, the food that's you know, kind of been shipped in from a long way away, quite often 
um, isn't as good for us as something else that's that's local. Organic is um, not a must do. It's a nice to do. It's certainly a commodity to have organic food. And if you can do organic, it's unbelievably good. It's great. But if you can't do organic, it doesn't mean that you don't eat healthy. Don't panic. Just, yeah. yeah, don't panic. You know, if you can't do it, can't afford it, don't want to spend that much money on organic food, that's totally fine, totally fine. But you can And homegrown do- non-certified, I would say, and I'd love to know what you think, is better than certified that you actually don't know much about it. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that, you know. And, and when we talk about certified, we're talking about, you know, forking out stacks of cash to an organization that certifies it you know really that's all it is it's you're just forking out stacks of cash to an organization i don't really know what that organization does other than give us a stamp you know <laughs> i know you, they used to come and do audits on me for no reason um and it would cost you stacks of cash so but uh and then the other one is whole you know try and have things in their whole form you know try not to have potatoes as chips um mm. try not to have carrot and carrot cake yeah. Is that not yeah. carrot? Oh, I thought that was the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, or orange is orange cake or lemon is lemon tea cake. You know, yeah. you, you're, meant to, you're meant to have it in its whole form. And that's really important. <laughs> the, the more processed it is, the um, the less beneficial it is for your body. So and I think these are all like just really simple tenets, um, but it's great to be reminded of this stuff. And, and, I, and, and, and this is a perfect time to then talk about the, oh, but come on, like, because diet for a lot of people has become very absolute. So we find in our conversations, which are largely around longevity and aging well, you know, coffee, wine, and chocolate. And that, that conversation yeah. will come up in a future episode uh, yeah. where we talk just about coffee, wine, and chocolate. But but what about just, you know, the foods that don't fit the diet? You know, I still want to have some orange cake. I still want to have some chocolate cake. I still want to have a croissant with my coffee every now and again. Like, can you give a comment? on that and and its impacts positive and or negative in your view um on health yeah i I can and you know one of the one of the greatest philosophers of our time bruce lipton talks about um the you know the the was it the thing i of honeymoon effect oh yeah <laughs> oh my gosh oh, oh the biology biology of belief biology of belief yes oh, gosh gosh Goodness gracious. We love you, Bruce. We don't forget your book title. We do know exactly what yeah. you say, Bruce. We do. Um, the Biology of Belief. So um, a great friend of mine, Vicky Kelly, um, we, there's, there used to be this bar called a keto bar, and the keto bar came in two flavors. There was either cherry coconut um, or there was caramel. And, um, and I was a big fan of the caramel, and she was a big fan of the cherry coconut. And I said, why do you always go cherry coconut? She goes, because the caramel one will make me fat. I go, what do you mean the caramel one will make you fat? She goes, because I believe that the caramel one is tastes so much like real caramel and chocolate that it's going to make me fat. And nutritionally, this didn't make any sense to me. Like, just didn't make any sense to me. And the cherry coconut one tasted like not even cherry coconut. Like, it didn't taste real. And um, and but she believed that that would actually help her be skinny. And so. And I was like, okay, cool, whatever, How, whatever you want to do, here's the cherry coconut ones, um, and I would just munch away on the, on the caramel ones. I didn't get fat, by the way, um, and, and and but actually Vicky did get skinny. So maybe she was onto something, but I think what I'm saying here is that when you stress about a food that you eat, then it's more likely to be problematic for your body. When you um, have less stress about it, it's more likely to be beneficial. Now, that doesn't mean that you can just go to Macca's and, you know, order 
you know, everything off the menu or go down to KFC and order that every single day and have that twice a day and then not have any health effects. But what I would suggest to people would be that if you did have these things from time to time and your diet was primarily healthy, it's unlikely to have a significantly negative effect on your body. The body's very resilient. You know, we've just gone through periods where we've been exposed to viruses that we've never seen before and we've been able to manage it. So you can imagine that our body can actually deal with chemicals that come in through our food very, very well. We have a liver, we have kidneys, we have digestion, we have bacteria, we have enzymes, we have hydrochloric acid that deal with most of all of that stuff. And so it's really important. But what I would also say is that when you're going to have foods that are kind of special or treats or whatever else try to have it with your mates like try to have it in a in a situation that's social try to have it in a situation that kind of is almost celebratory not that we need to celebrate or you know we don't need to celebrate with food but it's a nice thing to do to celebrate with food and a little drink um, but when you're doing it with your mates as opposed to doing it by yourself there's added benefit to that. You know, there's a laughter, there's conversation, there's relaxation, there's a parasympathetic response, um, which is beneficial to your body, as opposed to a sympathetic response when you're eating by yourself, doing your emails and taking phone calls over your lunch break. And Damo, just to add to that, you know, when we go to our Greek island of Ikaria, the island where people forget to die for our 10-day longevity experiences, and we go to the Panagetti, they love their wine, uh, but they're never drinking it by themselves. They're always doing it with their mates. Yes. And when they do the spread of the food and there's the boiled goat and the roasted goat and the tzatziki and the Greek salad, there yeah. is always, always, always hot chips. Hot chips. There is always hot chips. And they're great. And, and they are great. And it is the superfood of the longest-lived people on the planet. <laughs> but they have it sparingly and they have it with their mates. And I do think everything you've said there is absolutely bang on. What about uh, we're very, like, body-obsessed in our culture these days. We look at, you know, abs and pecs and buns of steel and just yeah. everything is strong. But yeah. is that, you know, the keto diet, the paleo diet, the carnivore diet? Like, can you talk – to that connection between diet and physical fitness. Yeah, totally. From a food perspective, uh, if we're to look at our composition, our body composition, food probably contributes 90% to our composition. Um, and that would be, you know, how do we bulk up? Do we get strong enough? Are we eating enough protein? Have we got enough fat in our diet to, you know, manage our glycemic control? Do we have enough fat to help repair damaged cell membranes? Um, for example, um, are we eating enough carbohydrates to fuel our brains and our muscles um, or are we running on ketones as a result of, you know, cooking fats in our body and all that sort of stuff, you know. So we, we, can, we can be very specific. We won't be specific about that right now, but just understand that a, an eating program, a design of eating program, regardless of what it is, will work for pretty much every single person provided they stick to it and it really just that's comes a pretty down. important point <laughs> <laughs> it comes down to the net desired result the net desired effect now if somebody's body's so far out of whack that they need significant intervention to bring things back in line so let's say they're 25 30 35 40 45 50 kilograms overweight or even more it's likely that something more extreme is going to need to be done over a longer period of time than something that's less extreme over a shorter period of time. It's always going to take a lot more work to get the body back to where it should be 
if it's been out of whack for quite a long time. It's always important to just give yourself an appropriate or set yourself an appropriate expectation in that space. I think that we've done a really good job here. Well, you've done a really good job here on um, providing a lot of clarity around diet. I think this is so good. I know we could sit here for six hours, but I really want to go right tick on the diet uh, because what a lot of people then kind of wonder about is supplements. Mm-hmm. You walk into any health food store, walk into any chemist, it's very easy to be overwhelmed around what what else do we want to include in our um, you know, regime of being healthy. So a supplement is essentially um, a nutrient uh, that's been tableted. So it's a nutrient that should have been found in your food that's been put then into a liquid or a tablet. And that's all good and well, and, and that should and could accompany um, a healthy lifestyle, but it shouldn't replace a healthy diet or a healthy lifestyle either. So you just can't buy a hack your way into health and well-being. You can't buy a hack your way into longevity. Um, it comes through a lifestyle approach, which is ideally great food and good amounts of movement, mindfulness, water, all those sorts of things, like all the tenets that we've spoken about um, throughout this whole series um, combined to make a healthy person, a healthy body. Uh, And a supplement is just that. So a supplement means that it is on top of or something else added to what is already in existence. So if we're eating a great meal that should have contained heaps of vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin E, vitamin D, vitamin K, et cetera, et cetera, and vitamin B, all the vitamin Bs, um, if it should have contained all of that in the first place, but our lifestyle is such that, you know, maybe we microwave the food or maybe it's been cooked and sitting in our fridge and we've just reheated it um, or maybe we've had to get something, you know, from a that's a frozen meal from a company that's delivered it to our house and we've just defrosted it um, and instead of, you know, putting it through the oven or on a stovetop with conventional heating, we've used um, a microwave again, for example. We're losing nutrition and so then we want to top that up with the nutrients that we might have otherwise lost. But we need to understand this, that these nutrients are specific. And whilst in a food they behave in a particular way, in a tablet they behave in a slightly different way. And in a tablet or in a powder or in a liquid, vitamins and minerals provide instruction to the body on how to behave in a particular situation. Um, and, And that should have actually been in existence in our food. But in a supplement, it comes in a more concentrated form and it tells our body how to behave. Much the same as, say, a pharmaceutical drug would tell our body how to behave. A supplement would tell our body how to behave, but in a less aggressive manner. So keep in mind that it's a supplement. It's not something that you should be living on. Um, you can contribute to your life from, but you won't, You don't want to be living on it. Philosophical question for you on behalf sure. of the listeners. Do you, do you believe that the... Um, health of the food available to us now makes it almost mandatory or required that we consume supplements of some kind is it is it too are we too far gone in the in the you know health of the food supply that we can't rely solely on our food anymore to maintain peak um, physical health Oh, that's such a great question because there's two parts to that. There's the philosophical component and then there's the scientific component. You know, the scientific component would say that um, our food doesn't contain the same amounts of nutrition that it used to 100 years ago. Um, And even probably 10 years ago, the modern-day farming methods um, see the harvesting of our food at an earlier stage. 
Um, and then the keeping of our food long-term in cold storage. Um, and in particular, um, with, with mists sprayed through the air, which contain vitamin C, for example, to stop aging and oxidization of particular types of foods, like you know apples, for example. Um, and even bananas, you know, they are picked green and they're ripened when, you know, sold. So it's uh, that's why they go off so fast when we buy them. But it's um, it's I don't know if that means that it's absolutely essential for us to be getting vitamins and minerals, but I certainly do know, and you and I have got mates that actually sell um, supplements that are whole food supplements uh, that contain micro amounts of nutrients that can be of benefit to our body if we add them to our diet. Um, and the same can be said for um, what we'll call nutraceuticals. And I call them nutraceuticals because it's nutrition, but derived in a way that's pharmaceutical. Uh, so they come through the um, the industry, the, the petrochemical industry essentially is how we arrive at a lot of these sorts of nutrients. And even mining, for example, mining for magnesium, um, that's how we ingest it. Or mining for potassium, that's how we ingest it. Or sodium or by whatever it is, you know, we, we get that through mining. So um, to take that into our body when it hasn't come through the food uh, could be beneficial for most people, but I don't like to just have a rule and say that everybody should be um, just because it's there. So I, I think that the consideration of supplements in somebody's diet um, is not a bad thing to do, but I wouldn't say that it's a must thing for everybody to do. Yeah, it's a fascinating conversation. I love that. What about superfoods? We've done diet. We've done supplements. Let's talk about superfoods. Where do you stand? Because they are a really, uh, what you would call them, like a, it's still a buzz term in, yeah. in the conversation around health. Yeah, great question, PC. And I think that we will always have superfoods that we're aware of. You know, everything from red wine to blueberries um, to broccoli and kale. You know, these things, chia seeds. They, and I think at one point, almonds or walnuts might have been a superfood. So, um, but I think that all foods are super. Like all whole foods are super. They've all got ingredients in them that are hugely beneficial. You know, you look at a walnut, and it's got, you know, essential fatty acids that are great for our brain. If you look at um, a broccoli, it's got, you know, nutrients in there that are absolutely fantastic as antioxidants. You look at a tomato, it's got lycopene in the skin that when you cook it is really good for the, you know, for skin health and prostate health, for example. Um, all of these foods have got a chemical that we can identify that are, is of huge amount of benefit to the body. And the reason why it's called a superfood is because that particular active component is found in high concentration um, and has a therapeutic effect. So the food itself has a therapeutic effect on your body. So avocado and beetroot and kale and all of these nutrient-rich foods um, have a therapeutic effect on our body. And and so I would say, yeah, by all means, bring superfoods into your diet. Um, there's not, there's no, there's there's no drawback from having superfoods in your diet unless the only thing you eat is the superfood. Um, you need to consume superfoods in your diet as part of your diet rather than just only eating the superfood. Uh, this has been a cracking conversation, all things diet, all things supplements, all things superfood. I highly encourage everyone listening to go back and listen to this one again. Damo, as always, thank you for sharing your wisdom uh, on this episode on all things diet, supplements, and superfoods. Thank you, PC. It's been a lot of fun, and hopefully everybody got lots from it. But between the eyeballs with that episode, that was an absolute cracker. Where do you come up with this so quickly off the cuff? I just barreled you with questions. 
did you just do you just have that handy at all times? I think what it is, Piercy, is that you ask me the same questions every week for ten years, and I know how to answer it. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Mate. Do you know no, what's I coming? You, you know, you can like <laughs> read my mind. What the next question know. is? I just love it. Like it's such a great conversation to have, and I think in my journey through understanding food and lifestyle and nutrition and supplements, as I've kind of gone through as a practitioner and then digested all of the information, pun intended, I um, <laughs> I've kind of worked out a philosophy around it. And the philosophy is what is what matters. You know, we look at the science, we look at the art, and then we look at the philosophy. The science of food is in the literature. It's in the books. The art of food is how we cook it. And the philosophy of food is what we do with it and how we think about it. So, you know, the science, art, philosophy of food and consumption, I think is really important. And I absolutely love talking about this subject. Well, I think you've done a cracking job. I, I would love to know from uh, everyone at Zaparis, uh, is this your favourite episode so far? Um, let us know. Connect with us um, via the ways encouraged to you by um, Eden and the team at Zaparis that are sharing these podcasts with you. But we want to know, um, where do you stand so far four episodes in? This is as close to controversial as I reckon we'll get, Damo, because this one... <laughs> had a lot of juice in it. So thanks again for your wisdom as always. Uh, and for everyone at Zaparis, we look forward to having you on the next episode, which is all about coffee, wine, and chocolate. Maybe we'll top episode four with episode five. We look forward to having you on the next episode of the Laws of Wellness brought to you by Zaparis Lawyers. <laughs>